0: Welcome to the Center Ranch Church Weekly Podcast. We believe that faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Thanks so much for checking out the podcast. Here's this week's message. Well, we've been doing a series for a few weeks now. I believe this is the seventh week in this series that we're calling Hearing God Speak. And we're, we're taking time in this series because... This is such an important thing for people to learn that the children of God should know the voice of God. Amen. It shouldn't be some rare, mysterious thing that only, you know, uh, televangelists hear from God. God. God wants to speak to all of his children. He, he, we said he doesn't have favorites. He does have intimates. He does have people who have learned to hear his voice. and That's, that's who we want to be. We start off talking about what Jesus said in John chapter 3, that unless a person is born again, they cannot see the kingdom of God. And part of that obviously is talking about salvation. Unless you're saved, you you can't go to heaven. But he didn't just say unless a person is born again, he won't arrive at the kingdom of God. Jesus brought up the issue of perception. He said they won't see the kingdom of God. So if you and I are born again, like a lot of us are, we should have the ability to see things, to be able to perceive in the kingdom of God. We talked about a comparison in the natural realm. When a baby is in its mother's womb, when it's, you know, seven, eight, nine months, it's it's fairly developed and it has the ability to see and has ears that are developed and can hear and hands and feet that are able to function, but they can't reach their full potential because they weren't designed to function in that realm. In order to be maximized and developed, they need to be born into another realm. Similar to what Jesus is saying, unless someone is born again, they can't see the kingdom of God. So when we're born again, we have the ability to perceive, but what needs to happen next is we need to develop that ability to perceive. Again, just like a baby in the natural, when a baby is born, it has the ability to see. It's just not able to, to understand everything that it's seeing. Just because that baby can see doesn't mean you can throw a book in front of it and say, start reading, right? It, it's got it's got to learn to understand what it is that it's seeing. It has the ability to hear, but it doesn't really know and understand everything that it's hearing. So a parent, of course, is still gonna say, Oh, I love you. It's so god, I'm so happy you've been born, or whatever you're gonna say to your baby. You say that, even though they can't understand it. As the years go by, they, they develop the ability not just to hear, but to also understand what they're hearing. And so that's what we've been taking time to do, not just to, to have the ability to hear, but to understand what it is that God is saying to us. So, so we've been looking at some very basic, simple things, principles from the Word of God to help us hear God speak and know what he's saying to us. So one of the first things we said is you've got to prioritize the word of God. It's the primary way that God's going to speak to you. It's the foundation. Everything else is gonna come on the foundation of God's word. It's gonna teach you what God sounds like. It's gonna tune your ear to his voice. Then we talked about some ways to gain clarity. As you're, you're hearing God speak, how can I get clear on what he's saying? Or is that really God? What does he want me to do? We talked about two things to do to clarify. One was to purify The other was to magnify. We said purity brings clarity. And if I want to clarify, I magnify. A couple of very easy things, simple, practical things I can do to gain clarity in my life. Then we talked about the importance of peace. What it says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 15, let, allow the peace of God to reign, to rule, to umpire in your, in your hearts. So to pay attention to peace as you're making decisions. Do you have the peace of God? Do you have that internal nodding yes? Or if you lack that peace, just, just hold, hold off. Watch for peace. We talked in detail about how God leads us through peace. Then we took time to talk about two key characteristics We looked at an Old Testament example and a New Testament example of times where it says that God wasn't speaking. in in 1 Samuel chapter 3, where the word of God was rare, John chapter 2, where it says Jesus had not yet revealed his glory, two two atmospheres where God seemed to be not communicating, but something people did to draw the voice of God, to get God to speak. We saw the same two characteristics. It was a servant's heart, a willingness to serve, and a willingness to wait on the Lord, both in 1 Samuel chapter 3 and in John chapter 2, where Jesus did his first miracle, those same two characteristics. And we said we need to develop that in our own lives, to have a servant's heart and a willingness to wait on the Lord, not to be in such a hurry, just to take time to wait, to wait on God with a servant's heart. If you were here last week, Pastor Jonathan spoke, did a great, great job talking to us about Romans chapter 10, faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. And he broke down for us the two Greek words that are used for word of God, rhema and logos. And logos, he talked about being the the written word of God, what God said, rhema being what he is saying. In that passage, faith comes by hearing, hearing the rhema, what God is currently saying, and how we can take the written word of God and help it to come alive in our lives to hear what God is saying to us specifically. He used a great analogy. I, I love what he said about comparing uncooked rice to cooked rice. Uncooked rice being logos the cooked rice being the rhema. And how you need both, you can't have cooked rice without uncooked rice, but in order to fill your belly and get the nutrients and the energy, there's gotta be a cooking process. You gotta take that, that rice and heat it up and allow it to soak and allow it to soften up so that you can absorb it and receive it. He compared that to taking the word of God, not just taking a, a cold verse off of a page, but taking it and meditating on it, praying over it, uh, just going over it, allowing God to speak. And that, that's what we need to do. Not just kind of flip coldly through a few pages of the Bible and start our day, but to take time to, to allow it to become rhema to us on, on a daily basis. And he said when we talked about waiting on the Lord, the idea he got in his mind was the idea of a waiter or a waitress at a restaurant, how they, they serve the people at the table. And that's, that was what he thought of being a waiter as we talked about waiting on the Lord. And I think there's a, a lot from that analogy we can learn from. And I want to kind of use that idea to bridge us to what we're going to talk about today. But before we do that, would you, would you pray with me one more time? Lord, we love you. Lord, there's nothing we can do without you. So I invite you to come and speak to us. Holy Spirit, come and move. Prepare our hearts to receive. Father, bless us with eyes to see and ears to hear. A spirit of revelation so that we can know you. Father, I pray you bless us with a hunger, with a desire for you, that we wouldn't be content just to, to sit here and let the time pass, but we'd be engaged. We desire for you to speak to us. Hungry and thirsty for you, Lord. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so the idea that we are waiters, we're waiting on the Lord, serving the Lord like a waiter at a restaurant. And in this analogy, I guess God would be the customer at, at, at the table. And we are waiting on Him. Now, you've been to restaurants before, and you know that sometimes you have a good waiter or a good waitress, and sometimes you have a waiter or a waitress that isn't so so good right they can make it a frustrating experience because a good waiter is going to be responsive they're going to take good care of you but sometimes sometimes they they're not as responsive maybe you've had that happen where you you want them to do certain things and you try to you try to signal to them right you you're not a jerk you start off pretty subtle on the things that you want maybe you want a refill on your drink and so you kind of when they walk by you're holding your drink up hopefully they notice You know, that you're down to like a quarter of a cup. They they, they go on by. Next time you kind of swirl it around so they can hear the ice cubes clinking. You just kind of subtly, you know, hopefully they pick up on it. That doesn't work. So you got to start doing like the straw noises, right? The, you know, and you have to become increasingly obnoxious with that sound. Hopefully like, okay, this guy's out of a drink. Maybe I'll get him a refill. If that doesn't work, you've got, hey, can I please have something? I'm dying of thirst here. Can I please get another drink? Hopefully that works. I've had it where I've even elevated it. You know, it slowly becomes less and less subtle to where you're like demanding a drink where that hasn't even, I've gotten up and gone back in the, the kitchen to find where the drinks were myself. like I'll, I'll just do it myself. It's easier. But you start off subtle and you kind of become less, less subtle. So different things. Now, ideally, you, a good waiter or a waitress you don't, you don't have to do the slurpy sounds. You don't have to get loud and obnoxious. That they're paying attention. They're sensitive. Like, hey, I, I went ahead and brought you another cup. I, I'm, they, they, you don't have to. You don't have to demand things. They're sensitive to what's going on and they're already responding. That's the way the Lord wants us to wait on him and the way that he wants to communicate with us as his his servants. He wants to speak to us gently. He wants to speak to us subtly and have us responding. In fact, that's what the the Bible tells us. Turn your Bibles to Psalm 32. Psalm 32, we'll start reading in verse 8. Verse eight says this, the Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. We'll keep reading, but that is amazing. What a good God we have. He says, "I." I'll guide you in the right path for your life, in the best path for your life. I'll advise you, I'll watch over you. That, that is amazing. Those are the very things we want, isn't it? You know, that when sometimes I don't know what's best in my life. I need someone to help me figure things out and God says, that's exactly what I want to do. I want to make sure that you're making the best decisions when it comes to your marriage, your relationship, how to handle what's going on with your kids, with your finances, what the best step is for your career, what the next move is... In every situation, we have a God who wants to be involved in those situations. He says, I'll guide you in the best path for your life. You know, he's made us in a way that that's what we desire, You're made to want someone to speak into your situation. We talked about this earlier in this series that we're wired that way. That's why people have tarot cards and psychic readings and all this this nonsense because you know, I need need some outside source that knows more than I do to help me sort out my life and help me to make the right decisions. God says, I want to be that for you. What, What a good God. But listen to this next verse. So he says, I'll guide you in the best path The best pathway for your life, verse nine, do not be like a senseless horse or mule that needs a a bit and bridle to keep it under control. So God says, listen, I want to guide you in the best path for your life. I want to advise you. I want to lead you and guide you. I want to watch over you. But if I'm going to do that, here's your part. Okay, I, I want to do that, but you need to make sure that you're not like a horse. Not like a mule that needs a a piece of metal in its mouth and a a harness wrapped all around its head to to get it to do what it needs to do. God doesn't want to have to yank and pull and twist and turn you. He doesn't want that to be the relationship. He wants to guide you, but you need to be sensitive to the way that he wants to guide you. It's it's not like that. I'm not interested in jerking you around, yanking on you and making you do things. It used to be that when we were on vacation, my, my kids... All they wanted to do was to go horseback riding. So we would save that. That was like the pinnacle of our vacation, that we'd take them to one of those places where they do the trail rides. You sign up for a time. We want to go on a 45-minute ride. We want to go on an hour-and-a-half ride, whatever it is. And so they gather you up with a bunch of strangers. They kind of eyeball you. I'm never sure exactly what they're looking for. They kind of look at you, and they pair you with a horse. I don't know how they make those decisions. They look at you and they look at a horse. You're you're with this one. I always get ones with stupid names like Daisy. Not that that's bad for a horse. I, I want just like that's a, not a that's I want one like tornado or you know I want some like aggressive good cowboy horse name. You have some pansy horse name. If your name's Daisy, it's fine. Sorry, sorry, Daisy. But they put you on the horse, and then they start giving you instructions on how to steer the horse, how to you know, you you hold the reins like this. And if you want to stop, pull back, go left and right, all those instructions. But I found usually on those trail rides, all the instruction they give you is totally useless because that's what those horses do all day, every day. They load them up with a bunch of of people that don't know what they're doing, line them up on a trail, take them out on a big circuit. They start going faster as you start coming back towards the barn because they know it's time to get you off of them, time to get a drink and eat, eat some hay. And so I've tried to steer them. And those horses don't care. All they do is follow the horse in, in front of them. And so when they we get to a field or something, I've shared before, I've got this like weird cowboy fantasy. So so of course, it's going to be like on my mind when I'm riding a horse, I'm thinking about being a cowboy. So I don't want to just be in a line the whole time. I want a little independence. You know, I want to kind of like steer this thing and maybe venture off into the field a little bit. So i have yanked and pulled on those horses that they don't They don't listen at all. They're unresponsive. I've pulled so hard on those reins, I've had the horse's head looking back at me that we're we're like eyeball to eyeball and somehow it's still following the horse in, in front of it. It just like knows the path. Now, some people think that when God's going to lead them or speak to them, that that's what they want. They want God to jerk and yank and yell and shout. And they'll even say things like, oh, if God wants me, if God wants me to go and and share the gospel with that person at work, he's gonna have to come to me in a vision. He's gonna have to send me three signs and a word of prophecy and and six different scriptures. They think that they're being spiritual, but that passage lets us know that's not how God wants to lead you. He doesn't want you to be like a horse that's gotta be yanked on it. You gotta have a piece of metal in your mouth to control you and jerk you around. So I've been on horses that were completely unresponsive, but I've also been to people's homes it's their personal horse. And they, they actually train those horses. And the, when they tell you how to steer that horse, if it's a, a well-trained horse, you almost have to be careful. Because as you're holding the reins, if you let that rein touch the side of its neck, it, it's going to start turning that direction. You, you have to be careful how you lead it. That's how, that's how we should be. That's how I want to be when it comes to the Lord. That he almost has to be careful what, what he even motions towards around me because I'm so responsive that we'd be people that are so tuned in to the leading of the Lord that it doesn't, it doesn't take much. In fact, in another translation, that passage from Psalm 32 says, I'll lead you with my eye. That's a subtle leading, isn't it? That God doesn't have to shout and yell and pull you by the reins. I'll lead you with my eye. What's that mean? Just a little nod, right? And and I'll read you loud and clear. I'm on it. I'm on it. I've shared this before, but it's so important. Giving is a great way to learn the leading of the Lord. It's such a great way to, to learn to identify his voice, because it creates a safe arena. So it's not I'm trying to hear the voice of God. Oh man, I thought God wanted me to move to the Sudan. I guess I missed it. Here I am in the Sudan. Right? That, that's, that's a lot riding on those kind of decisions. But it's when you feel a prompting, man, I just get this weird little thing on the inside that I should give this to this person. Just go ahead and obey it. And if you missed it, then worst case scenario, you just bless somebody and you haven't really lost anything. You've been kind to someone. It creates a safe arena. So I would encourage you to 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 pay attention to the gentle leading of the Lord and be quick to respond. Just be, if an idea pops in your spirit, man, just be quick to jump on it. And if God's got to pull you back a little bit, let him pull you back. But let him know, God, you've got someone here that if you even hint at something, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna attack it. I'm gonna be so obedient. I want to be like rain trained, like a well-trained horse, amen? Turn your Bibles to Romans chapter eight. Romans chapter eight. So again, giving is a great way to hear the voice of God, to learn to identify his voice. I've, I've given things to people that I felt like God was speaking to me. And sometimes afterwards, I've realized that that was just my flesh. I, I missed it. But you know what? I blessed somebody. And I, I've given things to other people that, it was, that helped me identify, okay, no, I, that was God. I heard from God. I, I, just, I just knew afterwards. Sometimes you've got to do it to, to learn. Romans chapter eight, starting in verse 14. It says, for as many as are led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Now there's there's a lot in this passage that we can learn when it comes to being led by the Lord and hearing his voice. In this passage, it uses two different words that some translations translate them both children. I know the, the New Living translates them both children, but I read it, it translated one sons and one children. It's two different words in the Greek, and it's important to know the distinction. The one that's translated children is talking about we've received the spirit of adoption. We're children of God. We're offspring. We've been born into the kingdom of God. That that word means like offspring, like a baby. But the word that's translated son means something different. It's not just offspring. It means someone like a disciple, someone who is becoming more like someone else. they, They resemble someone else. So in the natural, we we could go and look in the nursery right now and see a bunch of babies lined up in there and you wouldn't be able maybe necessarily to know whose baby is whose because, you know, babies look like, they look like babies. They use Pastor Jonathan as an example. I didn't know him, I didn't know him when he was a baby, but I feel safe in assuming that he he was short. He was short at that time probably. He was short, he was probably chubby. He was probably, didn't have... Much hair, he's probably bald, right? Just like, like all babies. So at that point, he was his father's child. He was his father's offspring, using, using the words from this passage. But as time went on, at that point in time, he didn't look much like his father. He was his father's offspring, but if you, you know his, his father, his father's not short, his father's not chubby, his father's not bald. He's, not, he's none of those things. But as time has gone on, you spent much time around Pastor Jonathan and his dad, there is a resemblance. He looks like his dad. I've spent time around both of them. They have have similar mannerisms. They do things similar. So as he became someone who actually is like his dad, that's when he became a son using using these definitions. Are are you with me? So there is an offspring, and then there is a son who is like the father. So this says we become his children. Thank God we're his children. Thank God that we've been born into the kingdom of God. But we don't want to stay just offspring. We don't want to stay babies in the kingdom of God. We want to go on to maturity. We want to be more and more like the Father. Amen? Amen. Anyone want to be more and more like the Father? You just want to stay the same. We want to be more and more like Jesus. And this is telling us that those who are led by the Spirit of God, those who have developed what we're talking about, the ability to hear God's voice and to respond, those are the ones who don't stay like children. They don't stay babies. They are slowly becoming more and more like the Lord. They're the ones who are being led by the Spirit of God. So This is important for us to learn if we want to go on to maturity. We're to be led by the Spirit. If you want to be a mature man or woman of God, you want to be more like Jesus, we've got to cultivate the ability to be led by the Spirit of God. People are led by all kinds of things. People are led by their emotions, however they feel. That's not what the Bible says. People are led by opportunities. People are led by amounts of money. People are led by what is easiest or avoiding what is most difficult. That's not not what the Bible says. We're to be led by what? Led by the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit of God. Verse 16 says this, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. So we're to be led by the Spirit of God, and then it tells us the Spirit himself, talking about the Holy Spirit, bears witness or communicates with what? Communicates with our spirit. So we need to know, who to be led by, not not your emotions, not money, not opportunities, led by the Spirit of God, and then also to know where the Spirit of God is going to lead me. How how is he going to communicate with me? He bears witness with your spirit. That's where he wants to talk to you. That's where he wants wants to lead us. Uh, I've heard people, this is a common analogy, people illustrate it, talking about tuning a radio. That if you want to hear a particular station what's being broadcast and communicated, then you need to make sure that the dial of your radio is tuned to that station. If you want to hear what they're saying on 104.1, but you've got your dial set to 87.7, you're not, you're not gonna hear what's being broadcast. You've gotta get things lined up. You've gotta tune that, that dial to the right station, and only then can you hear what's being communicated. But a lot of times, people want to be led by the Lord, but they're looking for all kinds of different things. They're not being in tune with what the Spirit is saying. They're walking according to the flesh. They're walking according to natural things, and the Holy Spirit's not leading them there. He's trying to lead them by their spirit man. This is how Jesus was led. Let me read to you from John chapter 12. Starting in verse 27, it says, Now my soul is deeply troubled. Should I pray, Father, save me from this hour? But this is the very reason I came. Father, bring glory to your name. This is Jesus praying. It says, Then a voice spoke from heaven, saying, I've already brought glory to my name, and I will do so again. When the crowd heard the voice, some thought it was thunder, While others declared, an angel had spoken to him. Then Jesus told them, the voice was for your benefit, not mine. So so Jesus has a crowd of people around. He's talking to them. And then he pauses. And when he pauses, a voice speaks from heaven. God speaks audibly. So Jesus could hear, the whole crowd could hear, this booming voice, Some's like, man, that's like thunder. Said, no, that's not thunder. That's like angels speaking. Everybody, everybody heard it. And as they're marveling, it's interesting what Jesus says. Jesus says, it wasn't for my benefit. That didn't help me at all. I I, I didn't need that. I didn't need an audible voice. Isn't it interesting that Jesus would say that? His Father speaks from heaven. That wasn't for me. Well, we know that Jesus heard from the Father. Jesus said, I don't do anything unless the Father speaks to me. I don't say anything unless the Father first tells me. When he speaks audibly, Jesus said, it wasn't for my benefit. So he must have had some other way of receiving from the Father. There was some other level that this communication was taking place. He wasn't always looking at the clouds, waiting for an audible voice. And even on the rare occasion it did happen, he said, that was for you guys, that wasn't for me. You guys are walking according to natural. I've got a deeper, more significant way of communicating with the Father. He knew that the, the Father wanted to speak to his spirit by his own Holy Spirit. It says he bears witness, with our, bears witness with our spirit. The Bible doesn't tell us to look for audible voices. It doesn't tell us to give God hoops to jump through to prove that he's leading us. God, if you want me to take this job, have have... Aunt Nancy, give me a phone call within the next five minutes and I'll know it's you. That, that's not how we're supposed to be led. God, if this is really from you, if you want my family to, to make this decision, I want two blue cars followed by two red cars followed by a silver car to go by my house right now. Let, let's see it happen. That's, that's not what the Bible says. We're to be led by the Holy Spirit, and He bears witness not with vehicles or phone calls or, or weird happenstances and coincidence. He bears witness with our spirit. So if that's where he's going to communicate, we, we've got to tune in our ear, incline our ear to hear at that level. And not look at, oh, I got I got goosebumps. I knew it was the Lord. My hair was laying perfect that day. I knew it had to be to be God. No, he wants to bear witness with, with your spirit, man. So let, let me give you just a a couple of key ways to become more aware of your spirit man. Because if that's where he's going to speak, that's where you need to listen. Some people just don't, I mean, what's the difference? My spirit man, my natural man, I I don't, it's all the same to me. Let me use a couple of ways in the natural and draw understanding from that. How can we become more aware of, of our spirit man? One way to become more aware of your spirit is to feed your spirit. Feed your spirit. Just like in the natural. Right right before service this morning, somebody told me that there was an event in town yesterday where they had a hot dog eating contest. And the winner of the hot dog eating contest ate 23 hot dogs in 10 minutes. Do you think that person was aware of their stomach after they ate 23 hot dogs? You think that? Probably painfully aware. I mean, probably split that thing wide open. They're probably still aware of it because they fed it. You've experienced, well, hopefully not the same thing. You've experienced something, something similar. When you've eaten a full meal, Thanksgiving, sometime where you just like overindulge and you lean back and you put both hands on your stomach, you are aware of your stomach. Why? Because you've spent so much time feeding it. If you want to become aware of your spirit, man, you need to spend time feeding yourself spiritually. Again, spend time in the word of God. And, and fill yourself with God, gorge yourself with the word of God, you'll become aware of yourself spiritually. Spend time listening to anointed teaching. Yes. Not, not just sports talk radio or, or news or, or whatever. Spend time listening to things that are going to feed your spirit man. Find some good podcasts to listen to. Find things that will feed you spiritually. It'll help you to become more aware of your spirit man. A second thing you can do Just like in the natural, you you need to become active spiritually, and it'll help you become more aware of yourself spiritually. Again, just like in the natural, you want to become aware of something, you need to, to use it. I'll pick on Pastor Jonathan again. Last week, we talked him into doing a workout with us. He went to the gym last Monday, did a workout. Every day since then, I've gotten a report of how his body still hurts, just this morning. It was triceps this morning. His triceps, still still feeling it. Do you know why he's so aware of every little muscle that he used? Because he used them. And because he activated them and made use of them, he became increasingly aware of it. You've experienced the same thing. You go out and work in the yard all day, and the next morning your, your back's hurting, your legs hurt. Well, you know, oh man, I must have really used my hamstrings when I was working in the garden because they're, they're killing me today. Because you activate them, you use them, you became aware of them. We can apply that to ourselves spiritually. You want to become aware of yourself spiritually? One, feed yourself. Two, be active spiritually. I'll give you three simple things you can do to activate yourself spiritually. There's overlap from stuff we've talked about before. One is to obey the word of God. Obey God's word. Submit yourself to the word of God. There's things that your flesh, does. Not, it's not a fleshly act. Your flesh doesn't want to do it. Die to your flesh. It's a spiritual act to say, hey, listen, here's what God's word says. I'm not feeling it. I I, I might not understand it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to submit. That activates yourself spiritually. Have you ever done something in obedience and man, you just, you felt different after you did it. I didn't want to do that, but I did it. Man, I just, I felt different afterwards. You're feeling yourself spiritually. You're, You're activating yourself spiritually to be obedient to the word of God. A second thing you can do to activate yourself spiritually is to worship engage in worship. I don't just mean sing along with the song. I mean to worship. Jesus said the Father is seeking. He's looking. He's actively looking. Well, is there somebody that will worship me? How? In spirit and in truth. When you're really worshiping, it's a spiritual act. So when Pastor Jonathan and the band are are leading, it's not just coaxing people, please participate in the song. People are actively worshiping. Again, not just singing, worshiping engaging their spirit man, telling God how much they love him, declaring the praises, declaring the goodness of God, fully engage. It's another way to activate. A third way you can activate. Just, just practical steps. You want to become aware of your spirit man. Third one is pray in the Holy Spirit. Yes. Take time to pray in the Holy Spirit. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you can activate yourself spiritually. Take, take 10 minutes, for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, I'm just going to pray in the Holy Ghost. Just pray in the Holy Spirit. I'm going to focus my mind, push distractions away. I'm just thinking about Jesus and I'm praying in the Holy Spirit. Force yourself to spend time, not just a a couple of lines and then you've, you've gotten distracted and you're off thinking about something else. Spend time praying in the Holy Spirit. As you do that, it's shifting you, pulling you out of the flesh, activating yourself spiritually. And as we become aware of ourselves spiritually through these steps, you've got to know that God wants to speak to you gently and softly. So we've got to sensitize ourselves and not look for great big mystical things happening. It's a still, small voice, a gentle whisper. Uh, I quote it all the time. Kenneth Hagin said that people miss the supernatural because they're looking for the spectacular. Yes. And God, God's, God's dealing with them. He's, he's doing things. And they're totally missing it because they're not getting chills or you know, there's not a loud voice from heaven or whatever it is. They miss the supernatural because they're looking for spectacular. They want it to be sensational. And they miss the gentle whisper of, of God speaking to them. You know, people miss Jesus because of that. People miss the, the, the king of kings because I was expecting something. This guy's got no crown, no robe, no throne. And then they missed it. We, we don't want to miss the leading of the Holy Spirit. Let me, let me read you from Matthew chapter 10, verse 27. Jesus said, what I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roof. So there's things that Jesus said, I'm going to tell you, it's your job to make it loud. It's your job to proclaim it. But when I speak it to you, it's going to be in the dark. That's secret place talk. It's going to be when you're alone, when you're carving out time for me. What what I whisper, what I whisper in your ear, we've got to be listening, not, not for crazy things happening. The gentle whisper of the Holy Spirit speaking to our spirit. Remember, remember that horse being led. He doesn't want us to be rein and bit, yanking on our head. Just that gentle rein, rein trained. Just a gentle touching of the neck and we, we're obedient, responsive. We looked in the book of Acts a couple of weeks ago when the apostles were being led by the Holy Spirit, dealing with significant things in the early church. And they said, it, it seemed good. It seemed good. You remember we looked at that? It seemed good to us in the Holy Spirit. They didn't say we had visions, we had dreams, God showed up and stood in our midst and, and you know, made, made our hair swirl around and the wind was blowing. That, that's not what they said. Huge, huge importance. They said it, it seemed good. What if they hadn't been sensitive to that? They were sensitive. They just a gentle seeming was all that was needed. You see that other places in the Bible. In Luke chapter one, Luke chapter one, verse three, Luke said, That he wrote the he wrote the Gospel of Luke because it seemed seemed good to write an orderly account. Now, the, the Bible says that all scripture is God breathed. It's all inspired. That men of God didn't write of their own accord, but as the Holy Spirit moved them, that's how they wrote the scriptures. So the, the gospel of Luke was inspired. It was breathed by God. The Holy Spirit moved him to write it. And it's, it's an interesting insight. I don't know of any other book were were told like that, why they wrote it. But he says, you know what? It, just, it, seemed, it seemed like I ought to write an orderly account. He was being sensitive. That's all that it took for him to walk in the plan that God had for him and to walk in obedience. He, he didn't need to be jerked around with a bit and a bridle, just a, a gentle seeming on the inside. It's what, what the Lord was whispering to him. He was sensitive to it. Let me read you from 1 Kings chapter 19. We see the same thing with Elijah. God speaking to Elijah, 1 Kings 19 starting in verse 11. Then he said, this is God speaking, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind tore into the mountain and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. God begins, to, God begins to speak to him. Now, if you know the story of what's going on with Elijah and how he's doubting what God is doing, God is using this series of events to, to help him learn. It doesn't have to be dramatic, for God to still be working. And just because you're not seeing obvious things happening, you think you're the only one still serving the Lord. Listen, God is still working. So he's, he's teaching Elijah a lesson, but there's also a lesson that we can learn when it comes to the way that God speaks. Some of us, unless it's the, the wind tearing the mountain apart or the earthquake the, causing the rocks to roll around, we would dismiss it. It must not be, it must not be God dealing with me. But it says in that still small voice, that, that can be translated as the delicate whispering Voice, delicate whispering voice. God wasn't in those other things, but He chose to communicate through that still, small, that gentle whispering voice. God wants to be able to communicate with us with a whisper, gentle, soft. Why? Because it means He has your attention. God values closeness, God wants to be close to you. And when you're close to someone, you can communicate with a whisper. So there's a couple different kinds of closeness. One one is proximity. God wants to be close to you. You are are close to him so he can speak to you in a whisper. When, When my wife and I are laying in bed and she wants to say something to me, because of our proximity, she can speak. She doesn't have to speak loud. She doesn't have to shout at me, right? We're close. She can use a soft voice and say something romantic. Like stop snoring. Move over. Although I'm open to other things, if you want to mix it up sometime. (laughs) But because of proximity, that's that's appropriate, right? It would be inappropriate when you're right next to someone to start to start shouting. And if that's us laying in a, a bed together, what about the Holy Spirit and your spirit being together in the same body? If, a couple of weeks ago, I tried to illustrate that. I had two guys in the same T-shirt. We we talked about some aspects of that. Your spirit and the Holy Spirit both in you united. Just a a gentle whisper. God wants to speak in a way that you've got got to be inclined. You've got to draw near in order to hear what he's saying. So there's a closeness when it comes to proximity, but there's also a closeness when it comes to relationship. You don't just whisper to anyone, or you shouldn't just whisper. You shouldn't just whisper to anyone. Because when you whisper to people, that's an intimate form of communication. When you see people whispering, you, you can make assumptions about the relationship, just when you see them whispering. If you go out in the lobby afterwards, people are milling around, and you see me off in the corner of the lobby with a woman who's not one of my daughters or my wife, and you see me whispering, and she whispers to me, and I whisper back, that's gonna be a red flag, right? You might not know what we're saying. I might be saying, hey, get out of here. Nobody likes you. But when you see us whispering... (laughs) <laughs> when you see us whispering, you're going to make assumptions like, man, that, that, that's too close. That, I, don't, I don't like it. It's not going to sit well with you, and rightly so. Because that kind of communication, it communicates. We're, we're, there's, a close, there's a close relationship. It's an intimate way of talking to someone. If I'm standing around in a circle of people after church and my wife is there and some man is in the circle and he keeps leaning over to my wife and whispering in her ear, I'm not gonna be okay with that. What what do you do? Just talk. I'm gonna stand in between them. You wanna whisper to someone, whisper to me. Quit whispering in my wife's ear. That's weird, right? That's an intimate way of talking to someone. So God wants to whisper to you. That's an indication of the kind of relationship he wants with you. He wants you close. Proximity-wise, he wants an intimacy with you. He wants close fellowship where he he can speak soft and gentle. Not because he's lazy and wants to make it difficult. He he wants to be close to you. A, A gentle, still, soft voice. Turn to Matthew chapter 11. We'll just read a couple more verses, then we'll take some time to pray. Matthew chapter 11. I'll start reading in verse 25. You know, the, the closer you get to someone, the more subtle your communication can be. If you've got someone that you're you're close with, especially if you're married, it's a good example of the relationship God wants with you. You, you can just give each other a, a glance. And you, I mean, you've said a lot with just a look, right? You'd be hanging out at someone's house. Your spouse gives you a certain look. You know, hey, get your stuff. Gather up the kids. It's time to leave. We should have left 15 minutes ago. I'm tired. I want out. All of that and just a... Right? God wants that kind of closeness. Have to spell stuff out. It's just an intimate way of communicating. It's just a, a gentle subtleness, and you're, you're on it. It's the kind of relationship... He wants with us. Matthew chapter 11, starting in verse 25, it says, "'At that time, Jesus answered and said, "'I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, "'that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent "'and have revealed them to babes. "'Even so, Father, for so it seemed good to you in your sight, "'all things have been delivered to me by my Father.'" And no one knows the son except the father, nor does anyone know the father except the son and the one to whom the son will reveal him. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now that... That passage, those last couple of verses are really familiar to a lot of us. It's a very well-known passage of scripture. All you who are weary, heavy laden, all you who labor, come to me and I'll give you rest. It's just a beautiful passage of scripture. A lot of times it's used at an altar call. and invite people into relationship with the Lord and rightly so. I've used it that way before, I'll use it that way again. But when we look in context, the, the verses preceding that, what, what what is the subject matter? What is Jesus talking about? Well, in part, he's talking about revelation. He's talking about revealing things to people, making things, making things know. I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you've hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them. Revelation, revealed them to babes. Verse 27, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. So we're, we're talking about receiving revelation. God's speaking to people in ways that they understand, that they can know something that they didn't know before, but now because he's revealed it, they're able to see it. So that's the context. We're dealing with revelation. And in that context, he then says, "If if if you're labor, you're heavy laden, you're wearing yourself out, you know what you can do? You can come to me. Come to me, I'll give you rest. It doesn't have to be hard. You're you're trying to figure things out on your own. You're wearing yourself out, trying to do what's best, trying to manage your family, trying to orchestrate your life in the best way that you know, but you're wearing yourself out. You're putting that stress and that burden on you, trying to get revelation in your own cleverness, in your own intellect. You, You can't do it. So instead, why don't you come to me? Come to me and find rest. He says, come and learn from me. Jesus wants you to learn. He wants wants to teach you. He wants to guide you. We read it before in Psalm 32. I want to lead you in the path that is best, best, in the best pathway for your life. I want to advise you. I want to watch over you. There's a lot here. Let me just pull one thing out. Verse 28, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle gentle. And lowly at heart. So this is the invitation. You, you don't have to figure things out. You don't have to strive on your own. It's, it's pointless anyway. You, you can come to me. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And then Jesus starts to give us some insight in learning from him. Okay, you can come to me and you can, you can learn from me, he says. Now, if you're gonna learn from me, here's some things you should know. He starts to explain. You come and learn from me. I'm 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 gentle. I'm gentle. He's he's giving us insight. If you want to learn from Jesus, I do want you to lead me. I, I, I want revelation from you. I want to know you're leading. Okay, here's what you need to know. He says, I'm gentle and I'm lowly in heart. You need to know the way that your instructor is going to communicate. Listen to what it says about a way that lowly in heart can be translated. It says that it may, I copied this right out of a lexicon, may be expressed as speaking only soft words or without shouting at others. Jesus, I do want to learn from you. I want you to lead me and guide me. I want your yoke. He says, okay, come and learn from me. I'm gentle, I'm gentle, and I'm lowly. It means I, I speak only with soft words. I'm not looking to shout. I'm not looking to shout. If we want to be led by the Lord, we've got to be sensitive. He wants to whisper. He's, he's gentle. He uses soft words soft words, which means we've got to push distractions out of our life. We've got to be careful to keep our hearts tender and sensitive. We've got to maintain closeness, closeness in proximity. I can't wander far away and still hear a whisper. I've got to maintain closeness in relationship so it's still appropriate for us to, us to whisper because we're intimate with one another. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. My yoke is easy. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. It's not supposed to be a difficult thing, it's not supposed to be confusing. And when you've got something on you that's light, you have to pay attention. Because if it's light enough, you might not even notice it. Have you ever had somebody come and pick a fuzzy out of your hair? You've been carrying that thing around on your head all day? You didn't even know. Why didn't you know? It was, it was so light. Oh my gosh, that's embarrassing. How do you know that was up there? How long has that been there? Now, if you had a rock on your head or something, you'd be more aware of it. That's a silly example you, you got to be sent. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. I, I need to be paying attention to that. Well, that's this week's message. Thanks for joining us. To stay connected with us throughout the week, make sure you follow us on Instagram and Facebook. You can also watch previous week's services on our YouTube page.